This episode of the Fresh Start Family Show is brought to you by our Quick Start Learning Bundle, how to build a compassionate, firm, and kind discipline toolkit that works with kids of all ages. Head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your Quick Start Bundle so you can get going today on building up a strong, compassionate, discipline toolkit in your home. Well, hello, listeners. I'm so excited you are here for a new episode. Thanks for listening, as always. I appreciate every single one of you who pushes play on our episodes each week. And also, I appreciate every single one of you who shares our episodes. Thank you so much. As you are listening, if you love what you are hearing, please go ahead and screenshot and then share to social. Being sure to tag me. I love to hang out on Instagram. I'm over there at Fresh Start Wendy. And I also just love to connect with you guys. Oftentimes when you tag me, when you share that you love an episode that you're listening to, I then get to kind of slide into your DMs and say hello and just kind of personally connect with you there. So make sure you tag me on social and share. And I know you guys are going to love this episode. This one with is with Jamie Chavez, who is an occupational pediatric therapist, and she's incredible, you guys. Um, raise your hand if you you are curious about learning more about sensory processing differences in kids. I know my own journey as a positive parenting educator and family life coach has been one over the years that every time I learn about this, I just perk up and um, I just feel like I receive so much wisdom in this area because this is one of those ones that I think can be hard to understand a little bit, but when you hear it from someone like Jamie who breaks it down in an easy-to-understand format, she's actually talking to us today about the why behind misbehavior. So there is so much more underneath misbehavior than just what presents itself, right? We, we, we talk about that so much here at Fresh Start Family in our programs, inside of the Foundations course, inside of the Bonfire, inside of the Firm and Kind Parenting Blueprint. But Jamie goes really deep with it in regards to sensory processing, which is just so, so fascinating. And this conversation is just incredible. So without further ado, enjoy this episode with Jamie. And um, again, thank you for sharing. Thank you for listening. Make sure you have subscribed to our show over on iTunes. I think they actually call it follow now, but make sure you have pushed that little button so you get updated every single week when we drop new episodes. We love, love, love encouraging you families. Thanks again for listening. Well, hey there, I'm Stella. Welcome to my mom and dad's podcast, The Fresh Start Family Show. We're so happy you're here. We're inspired by the ocean, Jesus, and rock and roll, and believe deeply in the true power of love and kindness. Together, we hope to inspire you to expand your heart, learn new tools, and strengthen your family. Enjoy the show. Well, hey there, families, and welcome to a new episode of the Fresh Start Family Show. I'm so excited to be here this morning with Jamie Chavez, who is a pediatric occupational therapist, and she is going to be talking to us today about the why behind behaviors, specifically all things around sensory. So welcome, Jamie. Thank you for having me. Yes, you're up bright and early at the time of this recording. We are both recording at 7 a.m. here in California. So thanks so much for um, being up early with me and um, being willing to spend some time with me and my listeners today. Certainly. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So guys, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Jamie, and then Jamie, I'll let you introduce yourself to tell us a little bit more about your story. But families, so as I said, Jamie is a pediatric occupational therapist with over nine years of experience working with children who have sensory processing differences and learning differences. She received her bachelor's degree in health science and psychology from Bradley University and a doctorate of occupational therapy from Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis. Dr. Chavez,
Chavez is the division leader for the occupational therapy department at the Center for Connection in Pasadena, California. That center looks amazing, Dr. Chavez. Um, a multidisciplinary clinic that provides an array of services rooted in the IPNB framework. She recognizes the importance of a play-based, relationship-based approach to therapy that is rooted in regulation. I love that. She does contract work with a ver- with various private schools in Pasadena, California, particularly delivering teacher-in services and parent education on a variety of topics, including promoting positive handwriting, which I think is such a lost art. <laughs> Um, sensory integration, strategies in the classroom, how diet and sleep influence learning and regulation, which is so fascinating, and the impact of screen time on development and learning. Again, all so fascinating. Dr. Chavez is the author of The Why Behind Classroom Behaviors, Integrative Strategies for Learning, Regulation, and Relationships, and she lives in Pasadena, California, not too far from me here in San Diego, with her husband and two young kids. So, wow, it's incredible. Your work is is absolutely beautiful, Dr. Chavez, but will you take a moment just to tell us a little bit more about why you got into this work, why you're so passionate about it, um, just a little bit more about you and how old your kids are, all that good stuff. Sure. Um, so my journey to occupational therapy is kind of ironic because I actually, I didn't really know much about occupational therapy going into the field. I just was told by several people that it might be something I would be interested in. And looking into it, I thought, this does sound like me like wanting to help people and wanting to help them in a creative way and the more I dove into OT school the more that I realized this really was the field that was that I was meant to be in and during my second year of school I really became interested in um, exploring Um, kids who were raised in orphanages or orphanage-like settings. And a lot of the research around that talks about sensory processing deficits and motor deficits, particularly related to sensory processing deficits and how that impacts the developing child and influences the rest of their life. And and also how it's related to cognitive outcomes and their ability to engage in school. And so that's really what um, honed me in on sensory processing. And um, I actually did my apprenticeship at an orphanage in Romania. So I spent four months at a private orphanage in Romania, helping the caregivers or trying to help the caregivers. to understand how important sensory um, sensory activities and exploring the environment um, through different motor activities and sensory activities is really critical to development. Wow. And then when I started, so then that just led me naturally down the path of pediatric OT and a focus on sensory integration when I came back to the States. Um, And from there, I really started to understand how closely connected sensory processing is with everything in our bodies, which is why when you read off that list of in-services that I do, why I look at sleep and why I look at diet, um, why we're considering screen time nowadays, because all of those things are so inherently related to how we process the sensory environment around us and how we process sensory information in our own bodies. Um, so fascinating. Yeah, it is. And it, I mean, it's really helped me as a parent. I mean, I'm sure... I'm not the only clinician who says this, but being a clinician, I think, has helped me 
be a better parent because right because we have that knowledge and background but also being a parent has really helped me be a better clinician because I see in my kids how they are processing sensory information differently and understanding that those the ways in which they're processing the information differently is not wrong and we all have different ways that we process our sensory environment but understanding that when my daughter is having a hard time because she really wants to be touching things and exploring things with her hands and body and she can't do that why she would be really dysregulated um and i i think that's a really important thing that we'll discuss during the podcast too um yeah how old are your kids jamie i have a two and a half year old and an eight month old Oh, how cool. Yes, you are just like able to apply everything that you practice with (laughs) those kids, huh? Oh my goodness, that's awesome. And their sensory profiles are so different. So different. Yes. Isn't that amazing how we can get such different children (laughs) here in our home? We have like literally a mini me of me. So my daughter, Stella, is 12. She's like literally identical to me. Uh, in every profile you can imagine. And then my son, who's nine, Taryn, he's named after his daddy. He's like a mini daddy, like identical. <laughs> everything, I swear, even from the way they, they lay to like just everything. It's hilarious. But awesome. Okay, well, let's get kicked off with um, the first um, really point of wisdom that you want to share with our audience, which is sensory processing is the foundation for regulation and learning. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so that's something we talk a lot about in a couple chapters in the why behind classroom behaviors. Um, And we actually dive into it even deeper in our upcoming book, which is going to be released in March, Creating Sensory Smart Classrooms. Um, So cool. To really understand that the way in which we explore our environment is rooted in our ability to engage our senses. And sensory information is what informs our body to move. It's what informs our body to think and act and be curious. And if we didn't have sensory information, we wouldn't be engaging in the world at all. But it's something that a lot of us do naturally. And we really take it for granted because it's working well in our bodies. Um, We and there are the five external senses that we typically think of touch, sight, sound, smell um, and taste. And there are also three internal sensory systems, which are the vestibular, the proprioceptive, and the interoceptive systems. So we need that inf- that sensory information coming in from outside of our environment and also inside our body to help us to stay regulated. And if the information coming in from the environment or our bodies is too much or not enough, then we're not getting the right signals and it becomes really overwhelming. Um, And so also the way in which we process sensory information is really connected to the amygdala, which is our emotional detection center in our brain. And so sensory information goes into the amygdala and the amygdala is the first thing that says, is this safe? Or should I be afraid of it? And Mm. so that's why in infancy and in toddlerhood, it's so important to let kids explore their environments and do so in a way that is feels safe to them and is within a relationship. um, Because we know that relationships are a way that help us feel safe and help us co-regulate. Um, So letting kids explore and have those sensory experiences really does build up these really positive connections in the brain 
um, so that the amygdala is saying, oh, this is interesting and it's safe. Um, oh, this is different and it's safe. Um, it doesn't have to be an either or. Um, and that's also what happens in the learning environment. You have to have that curiosity and you have to want to um, explore different ideas and but you have to be regulated in order to do that and if you're constantly um, on alert as to what is happening in your environment or you're anxious about what is going on around you or you feel uncomfortable about what's happening inside of your body um, you're not going to feel regulated enough to be curious and attend to what is being taught to you academically and engage with people socially. Let's chat for a hot sec, openly and honestly, about what your discipline toolkit looks like in your home right now. If you're anything like most parents, you're relying on the hand-me-down set you inherited. Timeouts, spankings, threatening of spankings, taking iPads away, three, two, one countdowns, groundings, taking away toys, e-bikes, iPhones, any or all of those kind of tactics that create a total relationship strain and don't even work long-term to end your child's misbehavior for good. Meaning you might spank your child or send them to timeout today for being air quotes mean to their sister or disrespecting you, but then three days from now, they're repeating the same misbehavior, which causes you to flip your lid because you know they know better. I want to help you learn a new way so you can end the vicious cycle that's keeping you stuck as a parent and causing you to feel super frustrated that nothing is working to get your strong-willed, stubborn child to behave better. My team and I have recently completely refreshed our Compassionate Discipline Quick Start Learning Bundle to help you learn a new way to teach your kids important life lessons, a new way to help your children learn from their mistakes and take responsibility for their actions. You can just DM me the word shift over on Instagram. I'm at Fresh Start Wendy, and I'll personally send you a message with a link to download this free bundle. I'm going to help you shift out of a punishment mindset and into a compassionate discipline one where you fully trust that connection-based firm and kind discipline tools are all you need to be a strong leader in your home who holds your kids responsible when they misbehave, but does it in a way where they are learning the vital life skills they are missing when they mess up. So again, just DM me the word shift over on Instagram. I'm at Fresh Start Wendy, or you can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your free bundle now. I am so excited for you to shift out of feeling guilty and shameful when you lay your head on your pillow at night and shift into feeling confident and proud of the way you handled yourself as a parent, even when you were wildly triggered and upset about the mistake your child made. Okay, I'm excited for you to dive into this free resource. I'll see you in my DMs and inside the free discipline bundle. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That is so helpful. And Jamie, or, um, yeah, will you tell us just a little bit more about those three categories? Uh, cause I, I, it's funny. Sensory is like this area that I don't know why it is hard for me to understand. Like I'm, I get it like the taste, the touch, all that stuff, but it's still like, I'm just loving learning more about this this year because I still have this weird, like, what do you, what are we really talking about here? <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, yep. but I'm like, I yep. know we all process stuff. And I know from experience that my daughter, when she was a toddler, especially, and even now, like there is a high level of, there is a big difference in her sensory profile. Like when she was little, I could go through a thousand different things, but like everything from her pull up to the temperature of her room, to transitions when she woke up from a nap, to um, when she would like get a cut that was the size of like a, a centimeter, she would cry for hours. Um, she, she was just, we would always say she was so sensitive to everything. So it's like, I know that there was differences. And even now, now as a 12 year old, she's, she seems to have grown so much like into her own knowing about herself um but she still has a harder time with things like if she catches a cold or if she has to transition from one thing to another so it's like i get i get it but at the same time from like a layman's term kind of 
could you those three areas the so the, what did you call them again the sure <laughs> the proprioceptive the vestibular and the interoceptive yes what does that mean again because it's you're, you're we're saying it's coming from the inside whereas the other ones are like external so what is that again yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, it's true. There's a huge learning curve to understanding. I mean, I've, I'm nine years in and I'm still learning. I like I've dedicated yeah. my career to this and yeah. we're still learning more about it. And a lot of that is because of much of the research and look into this just started in the 1970s. So it's a pretty young field if you look at the history of medicine so wow that's um, cool and there's also just not a whole lot of funding for research around it either mm-hmm. um yeah so back to those three systems um the proprioceptive system is how we receive information from our joints and muscles about where we are in space so the easiest thing that you can do to experiment with this is close your eyes and do um, your finger to nose test. I don't know, a lot of you may have done this at the doctor before, Um, but you can get a general sense of where your body is in space because you're receiving continual input to your muscles and joints that help you understand that about your body. Okay. The second internal system is the vestibular system and this is like the mother of all sensory systems um there's an article online i don't remember who wrote it unfortunately but um i want to make sure that they get credit that um she like put it in the show notes we'll find it and put it in the show notes (laughs) okay um she likened it to our gps Oh, yeah. That the vestibular system is like our GPS system. It helps us understand where we are going. Um, it helps us not to get lost. Um, it helps us to ground us um, when we do get lost. Um, and so our vestibular system really is our understanding of our relationship to gravity. Um It also helps us to remain oriented when our body moves or just our head moves um, so that we're not um, so that basically we're not constantly falling over. (laughs) Um, It's our sense of balance. Um, So the proprioceptive system and the vestibular system really work hand in hand to help us understand our movements and um, our own body awareness. And then the interoceptive system, which is kind of the newest of the sensory systems that's been explored, is our understanding of what our internal organs are telling us. So understanding that when my heart beats really fast, um, it means that I'm really tired, like I'm exhausted from overexerting myself, or I might be really anxious, or... Um, if my bladder is expanding, that means I need to go to the bathroom, um, understanding, uh, what your stomach is telling you that you need to eat something because you're hungry. Um, so kids with difficulty with interoceptive awareness, um, might have a difficult time learning to potty train. They might be kids who are going to the bathroom every 30 minutes because, They're so sensitive to how their bladder is feeling that any little bit of urine in their bladder is like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom because this is really uncomfortable. Whereas the rest of us, it's like we get to a fairly uncomfortable point before we're like, all right, maybe I should go use the bathroom. So, um, yeah, it does. It plays a lot into um, a lot of other areas of self-care throughout the day. That's so fascinating. It seems like that one is that one really could be connected with emotions too. So like you're going to feel (laughs) scared in your throat or you're going to feel hurt. Like, okay, that's uh, that is really, really fascinating. It's often kids who struggle with interoceptive awareness, either really confuse their emotions with their bodily needs. Um, So they might say, I'm feeling really angry. 
when really they're feeling really hungry. Um, and then they are just thinking like, Oh, I'm just angry all the time. But really if they just ate something, then that, that would actually be the, the problem solver or they're not they're not able to recognize their emotions because they can't recognize their internal signals. Um, because there is a lot of connection through the vagus nerve between what's happening in our internal organs and then back to the brain. Yeah. Well, I love, as I was reading through your bio, um, I loved how you use the word differences because I've heard the word disorder a lot, like sensory processing disorder. And I don't know why, but it it's hard for me because I, I just see it as such differences, right? Like there's all these differences we all have and we're all like perfectly and beautifully designed in these different ways. And if we could all just um, figure out how to get to know one another and support one another, like especially parents with kids or teachers with kids, right? Support one another in the areas that we need support in and kind of all exchange that way. I feel like life would be so much better, but it, instead it's looked like, it, you know, so much in culture, it's looked at as like, this is something wrong with you. There's something um, neat that is broken or needs to be fixed. So I really like that word differences because it's just like making parents aware or teachers, um, making them aware that, okay, there's hope here. Like, we just got to figure out, like, what the little coding system is on this incredible little human soul. And once you crack the coding, you're like, oh, okay, let me support you here. Let me, so, I don't know, that's just kind of my funny little way of looking at it. But I do like, I love how you use the word um, differences. Okay. So that helps. Um, so your next point of wisdom, Dr. Chavez, is sensory preferences impact everyone's regulation and differences in sen- sensory pre- preferences within families can cause frustration and disrupt relationships. Heck yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've, my friends who are also OTs like you, we've had um, Wendy Burtnell on our show and she's tried to help me understand this. And she she was saying, and I was saying how it feels like a lot of times the kids that have the strong desires to lead, so the power kids or the strong-willed, aka spirited kids, often do have some type of sensory differences, right? Is that kind of goes hand in hand? Not always, but a lot of times. And yes, when it comes to frustration and disrupting relationships. So tell us more about your wisdom around this. Yeah, so sensory preferences go back to what you were just speaking on in terms of sensory processing differences that we're all kind of on this spectrum. And um, if you go through all of your different senses, um, and there are plenty of checklists out there, Um, Therapy Works has one from their program, How Does Your Engine Run?, and it splits up the sensory systems and then you can check off like, oh yeah, I relate to this sensory system a lot or yeah, this sensory system doesn't really apply to me Um, because we all use sensory input like we talked about before to help us regulate and understand our environment. So um, we all have those different preferences Um, And we lean into those preferences, particularly when we're distressed or we shy away from um, things that we don't that are non-preferred in times that we're distressed or we feel ourselves becoming even more overwhelmed with those inputs. So, for example, I really love vestibular input. Um, I'm a, I'm a lower arousal person. So I like that movement input because it actually helps increase my arousal level, um, to a point where I feel more energized during the day. And I notice when I don't go for a run, that's my primary form of vestibular input. I notice that later on in the day and I can be a little more irritable because I didn't get that input that is helping me operate at an optimal arousal level. Um, But auditory input for me can be really dysregulating. I am the type of person who can sit in a quiet room for an hour and be totally okay with it. Um, And so... 
I notice particularly towards the end of the day when I'm more tired and I've been tried a lot by my toddler um, and I'm trying to get dinner on the table, even something as simple as the air conditioner kicking on can sometimes overwhelm me. Like that it's just another layer of auditory input and I can find myself becoming a lot more reactive. But I know that in myself, so I can go over and turn off the AC, and that brings my arousal level back down. I'm so, so, this, I'm so similar. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my husband is a very auditory person, and he can be listening to music and watching TV and having a conversation, and it doesn't bother him at all. Um, and he also really likes proprioceptive input. He likes like things being pressed upon his body and really feeling his muscles and joints. Um, so he likes to lean up against stuff a lot. Um, and that's where he finds his comfort. So when he's up front speaking, he likes to be against a wall um, so that he can get that proprioceptive input to help calm his nervous system when he's um, in a anxiety provoking situation. Um, but understanding that about each other is really great because when I, before my eight month old was born, when I would come home from work and I would say, Hey, please turn off the TV. It, he knew it wasn't a jab at him or what he was doing. He knew that I needed that because I was just overwhelmed and that auditory input was too much. Yeah. Um, and similarly with, with my kids, like my daughter has a sensory profile that is a little bit more like my husband and my son has one that's a little bit more like me. Um, and that's true in a lot of families where one of the parent can relate to that, to one of the children and the other parent can relate to the other child, um, but they're not necessarily relating to each other. So I really encourage families to sit down together and explore their sensory profiles and explore what that looks like in the dynamic of their home so that you come from a place of understanding. Like, oh, I understand that the TV is really loud for you. And even though I really wanna watch this show, your regulation and our relationship is more important than that. So I'm going to turn it off for these 15 minutes that you need, and then I can turn it back on later. Um, and it also helps parents to understand like when they need to tap in and tap out, if it's, if it's possible in that moment, like, oh, my daughter really needs a lot of tactile input right now because she um, is just really needing to explore her body and environment in that way. But that's like really overwhelming for me right now. So, hey, can you come in and can you play with her for a little bit? Can you do some <laughs> rough, rough housing with her? Because yeah. you can relate to that. But for me in this moment, I can't be present because it's just going to keep heightening my arousal level. That's such a great way. Just even hearing you speak through that from that perspective as a parent, because, you know, so many times we might talk to ourselves and be like, oh, we're such a loser. We're the worst parent. I don't want to, I don't feel like wrestling right now and playing like, you know, pretending I'm the cat and you're the dog on the ground or whatever, or like shooting little Lego guys and like crashing together. Like, you know, I feel like we could easily go into like, we suck as a parent. Instead, I love the way you just phrase that. Like right now, my input and my sensory just wants to lay here. <laughs> like, I just want to, I don't, that's going to be overwhelming to do all of that. And it's been a long day. So instead, hey, babe, I'll tag you in. Like, it's such a more healthy way to look at it as not like something wrong with me. It's like, whereas earlier in the day, you might have had maybe a bigger cup to be able to handle that or something. Like, I know I've, I've heard before just the idea that like, there, like the analogy of like, some of our sensory areas can be like cups, right? Like they can either, yep. they can be full or they can be empty and we all like them at a certain point. And then once we kind of reach that point, there's so much, so much to learn about it. But 
Families, I have a question for you. Would you love to be able to set really strong boundaries and rules with your children and then follow through with consistency and firm kindness? If yes, listen up. I have a program called the Firm and Kind Parenting Blueprint that I'd love for you to go check out. You can learn more over at freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind. Inside of this quick, easy to finish program, I'll teach you four steps to really setting those strong roles, but then following through in a way where you're using connection and firm kindness. And what I'll teach you will actually cause your children to want to cooperate with you because they truly respect you and value the rule and the boundary and understand how it serves them, not just something that they have to do or else. And it's just an incredible feeling when you go to bed at night knowing that you followed through on the rules and the strong boundaries in your home without relying on hand-me-down parenting tactics like fear, force, threats, yelling, harsh punishments that really create usually fear in your household, right? We want our children to listen to us because they respect us and because they understand why being part of the team, cooperating well, respecting rules, all those things, why that feels good as a human being. We want to do those things um, in ways that cause our children to want to respect us, not just because they're scared of us or a consequence. And that's exactly what I'm going to teach you inside this program. So again, head on over to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind to learn more. But in under an hour, this program will teach you some really effective strategies on how to create agreements with your kids instead of compliance statements, which is where a lot of parents go wrong and why their children don't end up respecting the rules or the agreements that they've made. And then I'm going to teach you how to use empathy. I'll teach you how to engage your kids' critical thinking skills when you tell them to do something and they say no. And then I'm also going to encourage you to understand how to empower your children. When children feel empowered, especially strong-willed kids, they will cooperate a whole heck of a lot easier, okay? So I want you to go learn about this program and let me know if you have any questions, freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind. But yeah, I and think the same um, is true for teachers too. I yeah. mean, teachers enter this classroom and they have all of these kids with different sensory profiles and they are coming in with their own sensory profile. And we yeah. talk about this in the why behind classroom behaviors that it's important for teachers to take care of themselves and to recognize what are those sensory inputs from kids that are throwing you um, into a state of dysregulation? What are sensory inputs that are regulating for you? And how can you integrate some of those regulating sensory inputs throughout your day? And how can you help either substitute some of those dysregulating inputs um, or um, just be more aware of the fact that they are dysregulating to you so that you can do something in terms of self-care to help regulate again. So, for example, kids who are like humming at their desks as they're writing. And this is true of parents mm -hmm. nowadays, right? Because people are doing distance learning and I'm sure parents are being triggered by this too. And so some kids, it's really regulating to hum while they're writing or doing their work because they like that auditory input and it helps them focus and but for the teacher or parent who's dysregulated by auditory input telling them to just stop that is not effective um, because then it's going to put the child into dysregulation even though it might put the parent and teacher into regulation um, so rather than saying, can you stop humming and just leave it at that, you might say, oh, I noticed you humming and that's, that's actually kind of bothering me. It's making it hard for me to focus. So I also know that you really like to fidget with things. You like to touch things too. So maybe we can have you um, bring over a favorite stuffed animal or... Um, we like the tangled junior fidgets, um, just something in their hands so that they are still getting a regulating sensory input, but it's not a, a input that's also dysregulating to you and possibly dysregulating to the students around them. Yes. So rather than just taking away their source of 
sensory regulation, finding other substitutes because it's common that we have several regulating and several dysregulating sensory inputs or that tend to be more regulating or tend to be more dysregulating. Yeah. And also I love, I'm, I'm sure the book goes into the supporting, you know, making sure you're also telling the students and, and even so whether you're looking at your classroom in your house, your family, especially during distance learning or the classroom, but helping all the students or all your kids become aware that if, if Johnny, like if Johnny's humming and he needs that, what is the little thing you said? The, you said we love um, the Tangle Junior. Tangle Junior. What is that? It's just a type of fidget that we like because it's, um, it's, it doesn't make noise. It doesn't, um, tear into little shreds. <laughs> um, I mean, That's kids cool. find okay. all sorts of ways. So we just say all fidgets are not created equal. Um, okay. yeah. and we found that out a couple of years ago with those fidget spinners that were just this fad. And even though they were fidgets, um, they actually were not very regulating to very many kids. Um, so there definitely are fidgets out there that lend themselves to be more therapeutically regulating um, rather cool. than just labeled as a fidget. Oh, I love it. Okay, I'm going to look Tangled Junior up and see if we can get that <laughs> on our website for parents because this is so helpful. But um, empowering um, the teacher or the parent to help speak to the kids in a way where if Johnny needs to hold his tangled junior for a little bit, it's because he's, he needs to self-regulate it's. And when you need to self-regulate or when you need support, we'll find a way to support you. But like having this, maybe this understanding that everything doesn't always need to be equal, you know, that it's like, Hey, when you need something, I'm going to help teach you how to take care of yourself and do it in a way that doesn't disrupt everybody around you or um, tip over somebody else's sensory cup. And there's all these different ways to do that. And this is a creative way to do it in a way that's not going to take away from your work or take away from the students around you. Um, so I love that. I can't wait to find out more about that. Your so I'm thinking about like your, your your book and your new book and parents, what a wonderful gift this would be for teachers. So um, whether it's Christmas or Teacher Appreciation Day or their birthday or just Friday, like what, how wonderful would it be to order Dr. Travis's books and just bring these in and give them to your teacher? So phenomenal. Make sure, make sure you think about that because that could be really cool. Okay. So last point of wisdom that we're going to speak about today, Dr. Chavez, is um, how sensory processing disorder occurs when a child cannot appropriately process sensory input to the, to the degree that it impacts function and participation. So I know there's probably a lot of listeners that are like, okay, cool. I get it. Like, we all have these differences. It's great if we can really learn more so we can communicate with each other, we can understand, we can talk about these often. They're just... A, a way of life like everybody has them and some listeners are like and it seems like there's more than just that going on like to the point where this is really and really like when I look back at Stella when she was young we um we ended up at an OT an occupational therapist where we were like kind of the same thing like something is more something is more going on here and at the same exact time we found positive parenting so we decided to go really heavy and once we started doing the positive parenting we realized that it it just changed everything about the way we saw Stella which really helped us but i re- when i look back I really think the combination would have been kind of the magic ticket. It would have made life a lot more easier. So I feel like you kind of want both, right? Like you don't want parents to do one without the other because it, you know, if they need both because they're so important. Like so, but tell us more about like when it does go into where we're using the term disorder, tell us a little bit more about what that looks like. Yeah, so I think you hit on a really good point that relationships really help to mitigate some of our sensory distress because that co-regulation says I'm here with you and um, some kids if you set them in a field alone and set off fireworks would be so scared but sitting next to their parents and watching those fireworks they don't feel scared 
um, because um, that auditory stimulation is calmed, their amygdala is calmed through the relationship Mm -hmm. with their parents. So that co-regulation is hugely important and particularly for kids with sensory processing disorder because they already feel so out of control of their body. They feel so out of control of their environment. Um, And they don't understand why things are inconsistent for them, why sometimes noises are um, too loud for them and sometimes they're not, or why sometimes it's really hard for them to move their body the way that they see other kids moving their bodies and other times they can catch on really easily. So it can be really confusing for them and that's also really confusing for parents too. And often it's mistaken as being defiant or lazy or oppositional or whatever term you wanna use, but really it's the child saying, I can't do this and um, this is really hard for me. And that's where we really look at um, sensory processing disorder is how is how is the um, difficulty with understanding your body and the sensory environment impacting how you're participating on a regular basis in your daily life. And for kids, that's um, going through self-care routines, that's participating with peers, that's Um, going to school and performing the activities at school. It's eating and eating a wide variety of foods um, that are nutritious. Um, So if it's impacting your participation or your, your level of function, if you're just not able to function throughout the day because the sensory processing differences are so debilitating that you find yourself avoiding a bunch of different activities, um, then that's where we really wanna take a look and better understand what is happening and then use a sensory integration approach to help support the child and support the family because it um, it is something that is a lifestyle change for a lot of those kids and a lot of those parents too, that understanding what this child will need on a daily basis to continue using that cup analogy to fill certain cups or dump out certain cups so that everything is um, more level. Yeah, um, that is so beautiful. I have a question about all that real quick. Is this, um, (laughs) is sensory processing stuff like this, is it hereditary at all? Because I have, like, I... Yeah, they have found some genetic components okay. to it. Um, I I think the genetic component is higher from the. I actually I can't say <laughs> they're <laughs> pretty they're pretty similar, but either the mother or the higher is like mother or father is a slightly higher percentage of her, um, being hereditary. So there is some yeah. genetic component. There is also a lot of environmental component. Um, that the environment in which you were raised, like going back to me not loving auditory input, but my husband really liking it. He grew up in a house where the TV was on all the time and the radio was on a lot too. And people were in and out of the house constantly. And I grew up in a small town and we we're a very quiet household and we only had the TV on like maybe a half hour a day, maybe. And we didn't really listen to the radio or music or, I mean, it was just a lot of quiet. So um, my sensory system is sort of primed that way. And so it's his. So, yeah. Yeah. So it can be both. Yeah. It just made me think of like, you know, for those of you who are like, you know what, I'm going to seek some support you know, by a wonderful OT like Dr. Chavez and, and see like, you know, what happens, I would encourage you to remember that. And and that's why I asked about the hereditary thing is because a lot of times I feel like our kids are like little angels that bring learning into our lives that we actually need to, you know, like so much of the time, like what your child, what you may feel like your child needs help with right now 
is actually what you need help with right now too. So it, everything that we've talked about today, there is no doubt in my mind that as a parent or a teacher, that if you kind of go heavy and, and learn or get supported or start seeing an OT or, or get into a program or, or read Dr. Travis's books, that you are going to be incredibly blessed with the way you are able to work through your own stuff and take care of yourself too and see yourself as not broken or, you know, jacked up, but instead just needing to, to understand yourself and take care of yourself. So I can see it this beautiful complimentary thing. So beautiful, Dr. Chavez. Okay, well, finish us off by letting us know um, where we can find you, where listeners can find you. Um, your your center that you are part of is so beautiful. Do you take telehealth calls there? Or I know they, we're going to send them to your book too. Um, that's the best way I'm sure that they can learn more about your work. But just tell listeners where they can find you and then we'll make sure we put everything in the show notes page too. Sure. Um, so the Center for Connection is located in Pasadena and the executive director is actually Dr. Tina Payne Bryson who wrote Whole Brain Child and No Drama Discipline and Yes Brain and um, her new new book um, about babies. I can't remember the name, um, the exact name. Um, so she started the center. Um, and so it, it really is rooted in regulation and relationship. And we use that as a starting point um, for understanding everything um, and for guiding our therapy. Um, so you can find find us at thecenterforconnection.org. Um, you can also find information about our books on the why behind behaviors. And um, great. Think. And when the new book yes. comes out, we'll make sure we add that to the Fresh Air Family website. And listeners, we will put everything on the show notes page so you can easily get in touch with Jamie and find information and, and get connected with the Center for Connect. What's it called again? The Center for Connection. The Center for Connection. Beautiful. Yes. Dr. Travis, thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for doing your wonderful work um, for all the ways you help kids and families and teachers. We're so grateful for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. For links and more info about everything we talked about in today's episode, head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash 92. For more information, go to freshstartfamilyonline.com. Thanks for listening, families. Have a great day. All right, listeners, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it for you. As we wrap up here, don't forget to DM me the word shift or head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your free discipline quick start learning bundle. You'll get immediate access to download our extensive learning guide where I'll share five ways you can ditch the old school hand-me-down punishment mindset beliefs and thoughts that are causing you to react like a volcano instead of respond like the firm, kind, respectful teacher you are at your core. And then you'll also get immediate access to my on-demand workshop where I'll teach you our three core Fresh Start family strategies that make up a strong, compassionate, disciplined toolkit, as well as my favorite logical consequences that not only work with kids of all ages, but do wonders to unite you with your child and strengthen your relationship, even in your kid's worst moments. So pop on over to Instagram right now and just shoot me a DM with the word shift and I'll send you a personal link to download that bundle right away. Or you can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to get access immediately. All right. Thanks for listening and I'll see you inside that free bundle and also inside the next episode.